Understanding Psychotropic Medication Biblically on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. And this week on the podcast, I am joined by Dan and Pam Gannon. Uh, Dan is a retired orthopedic surgeon, and Pam, many of you know, uh, is an RN. She worked uh, as an ICU nurse for quite some time, and uh, she spoke at our 2018 annual conference, and uh, I'm enjoying getting getting to know both of them. Uh, they live now in Bozeman, Montana, where they attend Grace Bible Church. They're both ACBC certified members, and uh, Dan, you're actually an elder at Grace Bible, and so I'm so thankful for you guys and um, and your work, the way that you guys think about medical issues, the way that you think about biblical counseling, your love. You, you guys are practitioners. You you do biblical counseling. You've seen it work in the counseling room, and I love it. And so we've enjoyed getting to know one another uh, just in a short amount of time. Uh, but today's topic is a serious one. It's a difficult one where we certainly acknowledge that. Uh, it's very rigid on several different sides. It can be very sharp, and people often, they're not really sure how to take conversation about the issue of psychotropic medication. And so uh, we want to be cautious, we want to be sensitive, but we want to be honest uh, about all that we can relative to psychotropic medication. So uh, I'm grateful that they're here to help us uh, think through this issue from a biblical perspective. So I I think the best place for us to start, uh, guys, is... Uh, a medical diagnosis. Let's see if we can distinguish, because this often gets conflated and confused uh, in terms of the medical model of science and medication and so on, where we conflate um, a medical diagnosis with a psychological diagnosis. So could you uh, maybe, Dan, help us to distinguish uh, a medical diagnosis versus a psychological? Well, certainly. In a medical diagnosis, a physician may take a history. They may do a physical exam, take your blood pressure, for example. They may do blood tests, and they may take x-rays or take a biopsy of your cells, and then the pathologist looks at it. And in particular, if I can just go on a bit of a rabbit trail on the x-rays, certainly we know there are standard x-rays, scans, CAT scans, MRIs, and so forth. But a whole field of study that I think our biblical counselors need to be aware of is the area of functional scans, Mm. neuroradiographic scans. So we're talking about functional MRI and PET scan. Instead of just looking at the structure of the brain, they're looking at the activity of different parts of the brain. And this brings up a a topic that I I think that counselors need to know about. And there was a study at UCLA where they looked at OCD, obsessive compulsive behavior, and they did a PET scan on that group of people, and they had abnormal PET scans. Mm -hmm. And they could have stopped the study right there uh, and said, aha, it's a brain disorder. Uh, and it's a medical diagnosis is what they could have come to that conclusion. But what they did is they counseled them through various therapies, cognitive behavioral therapy, which, by the way, is counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they repeated the PET scan after a matter a number of months. And an interesting thing uh, was found is that these scans normalized. They became much more normal after months of counseling without drugs, without radiation, no surgery, and their scans became normalized. So then that brings the question is, was this a brain disorder mm-hmm. that caused the OCD? 
well, then why did they get better? Mm -hmm. And so the the chicken or the egg uh, question comes into play. And and so, in other words, our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors can change our brains. Mm -hmm. They can. So that's an interesting area. But anyway, so medical diagnosis is based upon something. There's an identifiable pathology. Mm -hmm. In some way, you can measure it. There are abnormal labs or cells or scans. So that's how a medical diagnosis might be made. Well, that's that's very different, Dan, than a psychological diagnosis uh, because a psychological diagnosis is actually based on the descriptors or the labels that are in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Mm. Um, and these things are labels. They're descriptive, but they're not actually diagnostic or prescriptive. They describe thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and they label them as disease so or as mental disorders, they call them. And, and that brings me to talk about a little bit the medical model of psychiatric problems. So the medical model just simply means that thoughts and feelings or behaviors are thought to be or presumed to be due to a, bi- a biological cause mm-hmm. of some kind. And so with that presumption, then there's a biological treatment, for example, drugs um, that must be prescribed by specialists. Mm-hmm. So thoughts and behavior and emotions are thought to be due to brain physiology or genetic inheritance, mm-hmm. or perhaps a combination of the two, which, you know, those are uh, thought to be outer man issues then. So we have the outer man, inner man issue um, to, to kind of bring into this discussion. Mm-hmm. In, in the medical model, there, there really is no inner man to bother with. They don't think about uh, even that aspect of people. They don't believe in that aspect of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a materialistic kind of um, theory mm-hmm. that man is just an outer man. And so everything that goes wrong with man has to come from some kind of medical, biological issue. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's basically how the medical model works. Our mood problems are seen as brain malfunction. Mm-hmm. And so in that way of thinking, we are actually subject to our emotions and not responsible for mm-hmm. them. So they happen to us physically or chemically or genetically, and we become kind of a victim in this uh, system. Mm-hmm. And belief in that theory also promotes research now. There's a lot of research going on mm-hmm. that to seek a chemical fix as the way to emotional health. Mm-hmm. And so now we have a generation of people, really, who believe that the only answer to troubling emotions is found in medicine. And that's so true. And so let's talk about this, all the things that you just threw out. I, I think that helps to draw a line of distinction that... And this is helpful for biblical counselors to say, we're not denying medicine. We're not denying the medical world. We're not denying medical diagnosis, but we're distinguishing there's a difference in the way these things are diagnosed from a medical pathological problem uh, into the world of psychological diagnosis. Now, let's talk about that practically, okay? So, uh, Dan, you're a physician. Somebody walks into your office, and uh, they're looking to be diagnosed. There are some symptoms going on uh, that could be medically caused or, or pathologically caused, some sort of physiological uh, thing going on in their body. What would be the differences? You mentioned labs and cells and things like that. What would be some of the differences that a doctor is going to look at in order to come to a true medical diagnosis versus then uh, how how a doctor would approach diagnosing a psychological uh, disorder? I think that, you know, we are looking for 
an identifiable pathology mm -hmm. where we are looking for something wrong with our body mm -hmm. that is the obvious cause for the symptoms. Mm -hmm. uh, people come to us and they describe symptoms. As a physician, I would say, I want to find the cause, mm -hmm. the, the uh, actual cause. Um, and in the, the psychological world, I think that uh, I think you, you can, there's not an identifiable pathology mm -hmm. as far as cells or lab tests, mm -hmm. and so they mm -hmm. have to rely upon uh, thoughts, feelings, and behavior. Yeah. So take, for example, uh, you're going to take, you're going to draw blood, you're going to do labs, as you mentioned, and you're going to be able to measure those to see if they're in some sort of range of, of normal or or whether this could explain where some of the symptoms are coming from in a medical sense. However, in the, in the psychological diagnosis, you take the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, and it's interesting that if you read the introduction, they make very clear that they do not know, and this is the term, etiology. What mm -hmm. that means is they don't know the cause. And so for us to assume that uh, a person goes, they're looking for a psychological diagnosis, they have symptoms, nobody's denying that, uh, and they, they approach a doctor, a doctor is not going to ask for labs. They're not going to um, uh, do those types of pathological testing. There's an assumption based on, Pam, the, the categories that you mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, and that is a major distinction that I think often people conflate unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't see any particular pathology at all in any of the um, the descriptors that the the DSM uh, describes. Mm -hmm. There's it's just not a pathological thing. It's based on how I feel. I've been you know I've been sad. I've been thinking these thoughts. It's it's inner man issues that they're talking about, mm -hmm. oftentimes. Um, but they're trying to medicalize those yeah. and yeah. make them seem as if they come from a biological. Mm -hmm. Um, etiology. Yeah, that's and, and right. One, and one thing I might uh, jump in here is the neurotransmitter theory mm -hmm. as far as mental disorders is uh, a example of the medical model. They're theorizing mm -hmm. that there's an abnormal level mm -hmm. of serotonin or other neuro, uh, neurotransmitters at the synapse. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, that's the reason why we have mental disorders mm -hmm. is that there's an abnormal neurotransmitter. And this gets to be very confusing because we know we have abnormal endocrine problems. We, have, we, we know we have abnormal electrolyte problems, and those are very identifiable. Mm -hmm. uh, but we cannot measure neurotransmitter level at mm -hmm. the synapse. Mm -hmm. But yet uh, uh, the, we are told that it's a serotonin deficiency, and hence you need this mm -hmm. medication to enhance your serotonin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And interesting research I'll just mention is coming out relative to, to those things. Uh, the monoamine hypothesis, mm -hmm. uh, that's the, the uh, understanding of serotonin as, as deficient in your body as the cause of some sort of uh, depressive feelings and that sort of thing. Uh, demonstrating that, that uh, these things as they were proposed in theory form uh, are actually demonstrated by science as not being true. Uh, mm -hmm. And so those are interesting things. Now, we could get stuck there. I want us to move forward and think uh, as we distinguish that, and I think we distinguish it well, and we could go read the DSM and see they're not uh, trying, they're, they're not saying anything that we're not saying. They're saying that we don't know the etiology, we don't know the cause. And so when we think about psychotropic medication, what is the theorized purpose? And this is a key word, what is the theorized purpose of psychotropic medication? So they, they are proposed to treat a medical problem. They're proposed to treat actually a biological problem. That's what they are 
uh, proposed to do. Um, so they they are toward the DSM descriptors. Uh, they're they're meant to treat those problems in the DSM as mental disorders, as if they are outer man issues rather than uh, how we would think of thoughts and feelings and behaviors. We think of those as as inner man or heart issues um, scripturally. And so that would be what they're proposing that the psychotropic medications treat. They're actually proposing that they treat something that we would see biblically as inner man issues. We would see thoughts and feelings and behaviors as inner man uh, problems. So that's the that's the conundrum we have with psychotropic medication treatment. Yeah, it it, it has a very uh, strong stated purpose, uh, and in its purpose, there are several assumptions. Now, uh, then that begs the question, right? And many of us have this. And let me just say this caveat: I say this anytime that I, I talk about this issue of medication and psychotropics. That if you're listening and you're on psychotropic medication, our suggestion, even though we're trying to deal with the issue um, with the research that's going on and thinking about it from a biblical perspective, no one is suggesting here that you get off of those medications cold turkey. That should be something that you uh, certainly consult with your doctor about, uh, and they can actually be harmful if you were to come off that medication, especially without uh, a physician's oversight. So uh, please do not hear that we're saying, suggesting, or describing that that would be a helpful thing for you. We want you to make sure that you're in consultation with your doctor. With that being said, uh, we've talked about the purpose, its stated purpose uh, for the use of psychotropic medication. Now the question, because we're we, we in our country, uh, in America for sure, we're, we're pragmatists. We enjoy to think about what works. So that's a good question. Uh, do antidepressants work? Uh, that is a good question. And from a medical point of view, I would say that there's an assumption mm-hmm. that they work. And if you ask most uh, uh, practitioners who prescribe them, they would say, yeah, they work about 75% of the time. Uh, but there is significant question in the secular literature uh, now about do they really work? And there's some significant uh, questions that, hey, they don't really work as well as we thought they would. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned the STAR-D trial and others that are saying that uh, the placebo effect, mm-hmm. uh, the thinking that it's going to work because I, you know, it's a, it's a pill, right? Mm-hmm. And I know I'm going to get better. The placebo effect is very strong. And this is uh, Dr. Irvin Kirsch has studied this a lot. And he's saying that the placebo effect can be 75 percent uh, mm-hmm. of the effect. And so uh, we have to really question, do they really work from a medical point of view? Uh, I think you could use the TAC analogy as far as uh, psychotropic drugs or antidepressants, you know, if you sit on a tack, mm-hmm. it hurts. Mm-hmm. In other words, you are suffering. And that you sounds co- like you were saying that from experience, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the tack analogy is helpful, I think, for biblical counselors to think about this when people ask them about drugs. If you sit on a tack, it hurts, and acetaminophen or Tylenol would help, and so would ibuprofen, and oxycodone mm-hmm. may help. And if you sit on that tack long enough, and you get an infection, then an antibiotic will help. Mm-hmm. But then the question is, what's the real answer? Mm-hmm. And that would be to stand up, identify the tack, pull it out. Mm-hmm. and It uh, doesn't necessarily mean there's an acetaminophen deficiency, is what you're saying, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's not a, a deficiency of uh, Tylenol or ibuprofen or oxycodone. Those things may uh, address peripheral symptomatology, mm-hmm. but they're still a heart issue, mm-hmm. the tack. 
the heart issue has to be identified and addressed. And sometimes it's not easy. People come in with depression. Sometimes it's it's very clear that, you know, they are going through uh, a grief problem and a, a loss problem. And in that case, it's fairly easy to identify the attack, but oftentimes people have very difficult or hidden or veiled uh, issues of the heart that they are uh, struggling with that only later on comes out as mm-hmm. uh, feelings of despair or or, or uh, depression. Yeah, it reminds me of the proverb, you know, a wise man or a, a man of counsel can draw out mm-hmm. the deepness in somebody's heart. So oftentimes that's true, that the, the heart issue is really a deep thing that requires um, some good data gathering, some good listening, some good questions. Yeah, and so from a biblical point of view, do they work? You know, do they mm. help us to become more like Christ? You know, if the goal of biblical counseling is sanctification, to become more like Christ, do the antidepressant medications really do that? Right, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so Dan has uh, talked about a little bit, do they work even from a secular perspective? There's a lot of research that shows that they're not as effective as w- uh, once thought. Um, but the question for us really is, do they work biblically? Mm-hmm. And I think that we have to define the goal when we talk about this. What do you mean by work? In other words, what is the goal of our lives? And that goal is to become like Christ. And has is this happening? Has this person uh, grown in their relationship with God? And are they walking closer with Christ uh, because they're suppressing their emotions chemically? You know, are they are they growing in progressive sanctification? Are they showing more of the fruit of the Spirit? Uh, are the meds dealing with heart issues, or are they just suppressing the outward manifestation of those issues? You know, so I guess we would. Um, Encourage people to turn to the Word of God because Jesus says in John 17, 17, we're sanctified by the truth of the Word. And so do psychotropic drugs work in the way that God desires people to change? That's that's the question I think that Christians have to wrestle with. And Christians should not be afraid or intimidated by people who have a long list of uh, psychotropic drugs and and as if like, oh, I can't help you because this is, this is a problem. I think you have to remember that these psychotropic drugs, they are not gospel blockers. Mm-hmm. You know, we put blockers on our computer to keep out viruses and so forth. Mm-hmm. The psychotropic drugs uh, should not hinder our counsel. So I would not worry about that. I would not make that the main focus mm-hmm. of your counseling. And some oftentimes it is people come in, should I take this drug or should is, a, is it a sin? Should I get off of it? I would say that's between you and your doctor. Mm-hmm. Let's address, in other words, what's the heart issue? Mm-hmm. And then uh, with time, try to unpackage, take the layers of that onion away to get back to the what is the real issue going on. And that takes a lot of time and takes a skilled counselor to uh, to really, uh, you know, address and get to the bottom of this, identify what is that attack. And then if they take the meds or not, that's up to them. Mm-hmm. And, and as you mentioned earlier, we're not going to encourage them to get off them. We're not going to be demeaning to them that they're take, they're not second rate Christians, mm-hmm. that they're taking these drugs. They are suffering mm-hmm. and they're fellow sufferers. And, and so, uh, you know, we want to have that a love for them and an empathy towards them, but yet we want to draw them out uh, mm-hmm. into back into 
uh, a purpose in life to you know to honor God with their lives. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great point, Dan. Um, we we don't have to even talk about the medications other than you know knowing you're on them and maybe knowing some of the side effects or the effects they're having, um, because our our job is the heart, right? Our our heart issues are the primary primary focus and. Um, so we don't want to be distracted if somebody is on medication. Uh, many, many of the gals that I counsel are on medication already when they come in. And we don't talk about it a lot. Um, we just go for the word of God and we find out what's going on. What are they struggling with? What are they suffering with? What are they sinning in? And, and we try to use the word of God to address their their heart problems. Yeah. And I think that's critical. It's even, I think, encouraging to me, Dan, knowing that you're a doctor, uh, Pam, knowing that you have a medical background as well, because, you know, most of our counselors certainly don't have that background. And they would say, well, they would know how to how to handle these types of issues. And that's not something that is primary on your list of issues to address. We're going to go at the heart issues and not allow that psychotropic medication to become some sort of facade as if it's going to correct the problem. Uh, it is even in its purpose statement, it's simply just trying to um, assuage a symptom. And so what we can do with the Word of God goes deeper and can help begin to pull out the tack, using your analogy there. And I think that point is well made by Dr. Bob Smith many years ago about you do not have to have medical experience to counsel somebody who has medical problems. Mm -hmm. You know, you stick with what you know. You lift up God's Word. Mm -hmm. You do not have to be... uh, Getting giving them a second medical opinion. That's not your goal. Mm-hmm. So as a biblical counselor, that's maybe you're not trained in medicine and somebody has a medical problem, don't feel like you have to refer them to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Use God's word mm-hmm. for their problem. Yeah, I think that's important. So um, this is just the tip of the iceberg relative to discussion on psychotropic. And so I'll ta- I hope that you'll take it for what it's worth as we try to uh, very legitimately wrestle with some of the issues out there. I do want to mention before we before we shut down today that uh, Dan mentioned a book by Irving Kirsch that I think is important reading. It's a part of the culmination of some of his, his, his work on this issue of antidepressant medication and does it work and that sort of thing. Uh, it's called The Emperor's New drugs. And that's one among several that are out there. Uh, another one is by Joanna Moncrief. It's called uh, The Myth of the Chemical Cure. She's addressing, she's a British psychiatrist who's addressing this issue uh, historically and then in the modern relative to the new research that's happening. And there are so many more uh, of those types of books as well. So uh, guys, thank you for joining us today. I think it's been a very helpful discussion in helping our counselors to distinguish and not be afraid of some of these issues that are that are pushed in our culture. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. We know topics like today raise up many, many questions that we can't address in 15, 20 minutes. And so I want to encourage you, if you would, send us your questions. We want to engage in those. We don't want to run from those. And we don't want to assume that we even maybe expressed ourselves fully. So if you have questions, please send those to us at info at biblicalcounseling.com. And for more resources on this topic, you'll find those at our website, biblicalcounseling.com.